Thanks for tuning in to Biotech Podcast. My name is Judy, and I am a chemical engineering student at the University of Toronto. I'm joined today with my co-host, Molak, who is studying system engineering at the University of Waterloo. Today, we're honored to have Liana Genovese on the podcast. Liana is currently a fifth-year mechanical and biomedical engineering student at the McMaster University, and she's the CEO and co-founder of her startup company called Imaginable Solutions. Imaginable Solutions creates assistive devices for people living with ALS, cerebral palsy, arthritis, and those recovering from spinal cord injuries and strokes. Their major product, Guided Hands, have won many innovation awards, including the James Dyson International Design Challenge. Hi, Liana. We're so excited to have you on the podcast today. Could you just give us a quick brief introduction into who you are for those who may not know? Yeah, hi. Um, thank you again so much for having me on the podcast. So my name is Liana Genovese. I am uh, going into my fifth year of biomedical and mechanical engineering at McMaster University. And I am also the CEO and founder of a startup company I founded called Imaginable Solutions. Yeah, thank you so much. We're so excited to have you here, Liana. So we know that you founded Imaginable Solutions during your early undergrad, so which was very impressive. Could you tell us a bit about how it all started? What's the backstory? You know, why why do you choose to create Imaginable Solutions? What sparked the inspirations for the Guided Hands, one of your main product? Yeah, absolutely. So during my first year studying in the iBiomed program at McMaster, we were introduced to a woman named Alyssa. And Alyssa lives with dystonia, which is a rare type of cerebral palsy. And she did a presentation in front of our class and she told us things that she could do and things that she couldn't do because she experienced uh, limited hand mobility and a lot of spasticity in her hand, which is commonly known, known as uncontrollable curling of her fingers. So she mentioned that she had difficulty writing, uh, difficulty with doing the buttons on her shirt or even using cooking utensils. But one thing that really stood out to me was that she was a talented painter, but then as her condition progressed, she lost the function in her hand. She wasn't even able to hold on to a paintbrush correctly. So I wanted to give her her passion back for painting. So I created the first prototype of our product called Guided Hands, and it was originally a painting assistive device to help uh, give Alyssa back her passion. And I had her incorporated and integrated throughout the entire design process. I made the first prototype out of pipe cleaner straws and a sponge, and I ended up making a device that worked for her and she was able to paint again. And I wanted to continue that project, and I did so. And I ended up working a co-op at McMaster University at their machine shop. And I was given the opportunity to half of the day work on their industry projects. And then the other half of the day, I was able to transform my prototype into a finalized device because it was always my, always my motivation or dream to finalize this product. And I ended up redesigning, manufacturing and inventing our product guided hands. So guided hands not only allows people to paint, but it allows anyone experiencing limited hand mobility to paint, write, draw, and also access technology using a touchscreen device or a computer. 
So as soon as I built this, I wanted to see if it worked with other people aside from Alyssa. So I'm born and raised in Hamilton, and I made a list of every single hospital clinic, rehab center, nursing home, and retirement home in my hometown. And at the time, I didn't own a car, so I bust across Hamilton with guided hands and a garbage bag since it was the only wrapping I could find. Regardless, I did the grand reveal of taking off the garbage bag and I introduced guided hands to over 150 patients and physicians. And I saw their happiness and creativity as patients wrote, colored, painted, played games on an iPad. But the wow. reason why I started the company was because of I introduced the device to a 12-year-old little girl living with cerebral palsy at McMaster Children's Hospital. And as soon as she began painting, the widest smile spread across her face. She first painted, then used a pen to write, then played a game on, game on her iPad. And she turned to her mom and said, mom, I want one. And then the mom turned to me and asked, how much is it? And at that point, the thought of even selling the device had never crossed my mind. But in that moment, I knew I had found my passion and this was exactly what I wanted to do. So a week later, I incorporated Magical Solutions. Wow, I love that so much. I think it's amazing that you were able to take like literally a first year design project, right? And kickstart that into like this crazy adventure where you're truly like helping people. I think that's so amazing. It yeah. sounds like that, yeah, it sounds like that first year kind of design course was kind of like really helped you get your foot into engineering and like designing and getting a product out there. What were, what was that course about by the way? And what are some resources or skills you think you learned from that course? Yeah. So that course was called health solutions and design. So they really introduced us to real world problems and they taught us all the necessary smaller skills to, to do that. So they actually introduced us to uh, the five steps of design thinking. So first step is to empathize, then define, ideate, prototype, and test. So we had to first define and empathize with the problem, which was Alyssa and her inability to paint because of her hand mobility. And then, so that was defining the problem and empathizing. And then the next was prototyping. And, um, and prototyping was very important. So that's where I made the first prototype, which was a painting device yep. and then testing, uh, which was super important. So that's when I tested it with many different uh, individuals. And I had the opportunity to keep on iterating after receiving lots of feedback. Uh, other skills that they taught us in the class was uh, computer coding and CAD work. But the the device that I created was just a fully mechanical assistive device. So I didn't need to incorporate any electronics. I simply just used uh, solid, uh, SolidWorks or uh, any other CADing program on my laptop to design the device and then, you know, run to the store and buy some materials and use those hands-on skills to build something that could work with someone. Yeah, that definitely sounds like a lot of practical design related skills that you guys were taught in that course. And then, yeah, it's definitely very important to build a connection or resonation with people that you're helping with or the end users of the product. So yeah, you guys definitely did a great job on that. So we also know that it's super hard, to be honest, to found a 
startup, especially for undergraduate students. We know that you have to, you know, balance the uh, startup as well as the school at the same time. And earlier, you also mentioned uh, the amount of insane workload you guys have at the uh, iBiomed. Um, yeah, so we're just wondering what are some of the uh, challenges you have faced in the process of building towards a startup and how did you manage to resolve them? Yeah, so as soon as I incorporated my company about, you know, three weeks after that was, I think that was the hardest for personally myself um, as a only founder at the time as well. So my background is in engineering and now I'm being introduced to the world of business and I had to meet with a patent lawyer to patent uh, my invention, Guided Hands. And during the meeting, I found myself writing down words that he was saying i had no clue what legal terms he was talking about i didn't it's like know your first he... exposure to them right like... absolutely i had no clue what he was talking about so i would write them down in my notebook and then i would google them after our meeting and i was just super frustrated that i had you know i really saw a vision for getting this into the business world getting it to market but i had so many gaps of knowledge which was business so in between taking seven engineering courses at McMaster, I attended McMaster's business incubator called The Forge. They have a startup school and I attended the startup school every week and it was like a crash course for business. And I ultimately attended these weekly sessions and I learned about go to market strategy, financials, intellectual property, and I built my business foundation and I built my confidence as well. And I was also paired up with a mentor who could help guide me and navigate me right from the beginning. So that was very important to have a business mentor right at the beginning to tell me, you need to look into this, you need to take in consideration of that. So that was incredibly helpful. And even now I surround myself with people who are smarter than me so that they can lift me up and they can teach me. And and that's yeah, I can I mean. imagine with being so out of your element, it must be so important to have like not only just smart people, but like who understand like what may be pertaining to you, right? So they can like at least point you in the right direction instead of you just going into the business world completely blind. Yeah, definitely learning from their experiences because the majority of them were entrepreneurs themselves. So they definitely had so many lessons and uh, really great advice to share with me. So I learned from that as well. Yeah, so you quickly touched on patenting, right? So you patented the guided hands technology. And I think for a lot of students, like patenting is still like, it's, it's like a new term to us. It's a fairly new process for a lot of like undergrad students, uh, especially like those who want to pursue entrepreneurship. I just don't think it's like that common for us to hear about it or the process. So I can like, did you know how patenting worked or what was your process? And, you know, for example, like getting with that patent lawyer, was that the first thing you did? How did you go about it? Yeah, I had no clue what a patent was, and I had to learn from a couple mentors at McMaster. So yeah, they told me, you know, how do you search for other patents to make sure that your invention is unique and different enough so that you can go through that process. And I had to learn right from the beginning, and I had to do my own searches and work alongside a lawyer, which was also very, very helpful. And he also taught me and gave me advice as well. And the process was quite long. Um, I went through and got a, a provisional patent first. So for those who don't know what a provisional patent is, 
it's uh, there's only uh, US provisional patents, Canada doesn't have one. So it enables you to uh, basically give yourself one year to perfect or continue designing your device until you finally need to write the paperwork, put that stamp and, you know, submit it for the patent office to look after and to assess. So I filed for my U.S. provisional patent first, and then after that year, I had to file for my Canadian patent and U.S. patent. So the Canadian patent, you get one year, uh, I guess a one-year timer since your disclosure date. So disclosure date is when, you know, if I introduce the device to public, or if I did a webinar and I showcased it, or if I posted a video or a picture, that counts as your public disclosure date. So before that, you always want to make sure that you kind of keep it top secret until that date, because then you get that timer that ticks until that day. So it was definitely a long process, but it was really great to go through it and really learn how everything works. Yes, it's definitely very, you know, daunting for someone that doesn't have a business background or have never experienced something like intellectual property protection before. So I assume the uh, patented object was the uh, guided hands, right? Yes. Yeah, okay, so you also mentioned briefly about this amazing product earlier, so we know that it's an assistive device for uh, people with impaired motor skills, so let's try to dive deeper and get more details out of it, so could you sort of tell us, you know, what's the science and engineering behind it, and what makes it a uh, unique uh, solution that differentiates you guys from the other inventions in the market? Yeah, absolutely. So Guided Hands is a mechanical assistive device. It uses a system of linear ball bearings and shafts to promote controlled and guided hand movements vertically, horizontally, as well as a swivel hand motion. So the individual then holds onto an ergonomic 3D printed hand piece, which is tailored to their level of hand impairment. So we have a couple different designs and sizes. And they hold onto this handpiece, which is then connected to a utensil arm, which holds onto the utensil. So these individuals, they have limited fine motor skills. So what we're doing is they're holding onto an ergonomic handpiece and they use their gross motor skills more so in their shoulder to move around. And that enables them to perform their activity. And yeah, so because it's a mechanical device, there's no calibration or anything required. It's quite simple. So what differentiates us from our competitor is the nature of the hand pieces that we have designed. So there are multiple hand pieces of different sizes and shapes and designs to accommodate for varying levels of hand impairment. So for those who have uh, really severe spasticity or curling of their fingers, they hold on to a different hand piece compared to someone who has, you know, maybe a smaller case of our arthritis and they can hold on to a spherical handpiece. So essentially like what they end up gripping, right? Yes, exactly. So a lot of our competitors, they do not take in consideration of the different levels of hand impairments because really we're trying to help people of varying medical conditions like cerebral palsy, ALS, Huntington's disease, people recovering from spinal cord injuries and strokes. So there's, you know, not, it's not one glove fits all. So we uh, we took that in consideration in our design process so that we could add that feature. 
as well as a lot of our competitors are handheld products. So they don't help promote controlled and guided hand movements, whereas guided hands is a system where we do promote different kinds of motions so that people who experience hand and arm weakness and people who are very fragile, they, they can easily navigate and move around. Oh, that's incredible. And I think it's so wonderful that like, that's kind of um, the big separator from you and your competitors is that you it is way more accessible. And you're right, it's not one glove kind of like fits all right and it's not one size um, and I think it's really amazing that you are trying to look at all these different conditions and have actually considered each of them so I think that's wonderful yeah. Um, yeah and I guess you know like as we're on the topic of the impact that guided hands can have what do you think the impact it can like what's the impact that it can make on kind of like the biotechnology field do you think as a whole in the next upcoming years yeah, so I guess overall, just to quickly mention how guided hands, you know, not only physically enables these individuals to perform these activities, but as a result, it can help people with their communication, their cognitive skills, their independence, self-expression and creativity. But in terms of, you know, where it can go in the biotechnology field, it was really interesting. So we, we actually have healthcare pilots uh, introducing guided hands to patients across Canada and in the U.S. And one of our pilots is Chio Hospital in Ottawa. And they actually told us that an occupational therapy was using guided hands as a method of treatment for a patient. So the patient had, uh, they had a nerve, nerve surgery and uh, they were actually using guided hands to or they were using guided hands for muscle isolation to see if that nerve was flickering and to see if the surgery had worked. So it was really amazing. Yeah. It was interesting to see how the occupational therapist used it as that application. And, you know, obviously that's not something that we're promoting on our website and something that, you know, we honestly haven't thought about. So it was really interesting to see that application, but I think in the future, it'd be really, really exciting to conduct a research study, uh, you know, trying to quantify does guided hands improve range of motion or decrease hand fatigue and pain. And ultimately, I just think there's world of possibilities to do yeah. lots of research with the device. But right now, that's not our focus. We're just trying to sell the product and get some awareness, but certainly something that's on our radar for the next few months and years to come. Yeah, for sure. Especially, you know, like moving in towards rehabilitation or surgery prognosis. Those are two very, uh, very, uh, I guess, popular field of uh, biomedical device fabrication, as well as, you know, there's a huge need from the patient side as well, especially, uh, you know, for rehab, there's a lot of, uh, you know, uh, mechanistic uh, inventions that have been uh, founded. And then there's definitely still uh, a huge need for, you know, newer in innovations or reinventions. So yeah, I definitely see uh, there's a lot of bright, promising uh, opportunities, you know, for guided hands. Um, so sort of going back earlier, you mentioned that you've had lots of mentorship as well as, you know, collaboration along the way of, you know, founding the uh, company as well as developing uh, guided hands, which is your product. So yeah, we're just wondering, like, what are some of the resources you have used over the course of this sort of founding uh, entrepreneurship? And uh, could you maybe share a few tips about securing funding and uh, collaborators for our listeners? So the best resource I used, aside from learning from other mentors and people and other entrepreneurs around me, was Google. If I did not know something, I went to Google. If I 
needed to learn how something worked or anything else. YouTube was also a great resource. Um, if you're tired of reading and you just want to sit back and learn something before you go to bed. So those two resources were just phenomenal. But ultimately, I, I learned the most from mentors and, and other entrepreneurs. It was really important to surround myself with other student entrepreneurs so that we could all help each other uh, with advice and other resources that we found. But aside from that, McMaster, McMaster's business incubator, The Forge, they were phenomenal with providing me with that business foundation that I mentioned before. But um, yeah, it's got to be Google and YouTube and, and talking to as many people as you can. Yeah, note taken. Definitely. That's very important for us to sort of have this critical thinking and independence in terms of, you know, reaching uh, research and also identify a problem, find solutions, uh, you know, online just independently. Yeah, absolutely. And then to answer your question about, you know, how do you secure funding and, um, you know, how do you really make a company grow? So right now, the right when I started the company, I, as all young startups, I didn't have any money and I entered into every single pitch competition I could find on Google. And I just submitted and entered into them. And one of them was the biotech competition. And um, I was successful during that. But I found entering into competitions was a way to secure some funding and to, to get some cash as well as to create awareness for the product. And there's with the pitch competitions, a lot of them paired you up with a mentor. So that was again, just so invaluable, but, um, but right now I am looking to raising uh, some investment money and I, I've been pretty successful in gaining some interest right now. And I think the main thing is, is just telling your story, is knowing your story and being able to tell it. And, you know, investors, they invest in not only the products, they really invest in the founder and their story and their passion and their hard work. So it's really important to really show them who you are and really important to show them why you're passionate about what you're doing so that they, you know, become so that your passion becomes infectious to them and they want to help you out as well. That's so important. And I think that that's a really good like viewpoint or a good way of approaching it. Cause I think maybe a lot of people get stuck in like the small technical details of their product or uh, want to, you know, impress in a certain way, but yeah, truly like investing in the story and the passion and the fine. I think the founder too, um, I, I think just does it as well, you know, um, in, in terms of like securing funding and just showing them your passion. Yeah. Um, so I think by now everyone's sold over imaginable solutions and guided <laughs> hands. Do you think, are there any sneak peeks you can give us? I know you gave us kind of like a short term um, sort of like outlook or timeline that's like selling the 50 units that you have right now and um, the pilots that you've sent to, um, that you've sent in hospitals in Canada or the US, but are there any sneak peeks you can give us? Um, so we're doing our launch at the end of this month and um I guess we're, we're, I also have a team of engineering students at McMaster University. They're working on the already the second version of Guided Hands. So we're trying to integrate stabilization into our hand pieces to further help reduce the presence of tremors in older adults and for a few uh, younger people as well. So I've got a team working on that. But right now, the main focus is to sell our, our first batch of devices and get some testimonials and success stories and just let people know that this assistive device is, is there to help many people. And 
um, hopefully we can also create a community within the the population of people living with disabilities and injuries and really help empower them and and see a life where you know they don't always have to um you know go live with these barriers in their life that we're enabling them to live the life that they imagine yeah totally i think that's definitely a very plausible plan and it's super you know exciting that uh you guys are already working on like the second generation already right like perhaps you can even make it into like a future capstone project for other students to work on. I've seen uh, our school's pro capstone project, we've actually had uh, alumni that started a uh, like a co-founded co a uh, company and they sort of came back and then when they're trying to sort of build their second prototype, they just sort of like um, outsourcing this to the uh, engineering students and then like give the NASA capstone project. So yeah, you, you will probably be the future client and then uh -huh. Uh, you know the one episode is just the next version of guided hands <laughs> <laughs> that's a great idea but there's so many engineering students who are just so bright so that's that's a wonderful idea maybe i should do that <laughs> <laughs> yeah that would be like very exciting but yeah definitely very exciting also like very uh, great to hear that you have like a very detailed plan of like you know what's the most immediate top priority task and what are your future ambitions and as well as you know the research study you mentioned earlier, like earlier that would be like a very cool you know um, I guess angle to look at different things as well you know like getting involved in clinical trials or clinical study that would definitely add on to like the validity of your design as well. Right yeah absolutely. Amazing and with that we'd like to wrap up Thank you so much, Liana, for sharing with us your story today, as well as your passion, Imaginable Solutions. We cannot wait to see where this journey takes you. And thank you to the audience for tuning in on another episode of the Biotech Pod. And make sure to stay tuned for a special episode next month with none other than the CEO of Mobio Interactive, Bachara Saab. We'll see you then.